All right. Good morning, church. <laughs> I have a, a really simple message for you this, uh, today. It's, uh, it's something that wasn't very obvious for me, uh, but I hope that most of you have, have already taken this on board and, and really hold it close to your heart. And the message, we've got the slides not happening. <laughs> the message is, you belong. Now, as, as a people, we all, we all are searching for that sense of belonging. We all, um, you know, want to feel like we're accepted. We're in a place where, um, where we are wanted, whether that's in our families, in our workplace, in a sporting club, in our friend group, uh, and most importantly, in church. That feeling where you are wanted, where you're loved, where you are not just tolerated, but included, where you have worth, where you have value, where you can contribute. And the world can be a little bit mean on that side of things. People are very quick to form their, their groups or their cliques. And if you don't wear the right clothes, drive, drive the right cars, say the right things, uh, you're very quickly discarded. And that's, that sort of environment, it can have a pretty heavy burden on us. We start to change who we are to fit in. We start to become someone we're not, or more importantly, someone we're not called to be. Thankfully, though, we've got an awesome God, and he speaks life into that. So from this point on, it's all good, good news. We're going to start this message uh, basically where Josie left off, and that's Jesus' prayer. So where. Right now, we're just at the end of the Last Supper. Jesus has uh, just explained to his disciples that he's about to leave them. I don't think they quite understand that he's, um, that he's going on the cross and that he's going to die, but they at least appreciate the fact that soon he will be leaving them. And he goes into this awesome, heartfelt prayer where he, he paints the picture of what he wants for his disciples, what he wants for us, not just for then and now, but for all eternity. It's sort of like it's his, it's his game plan. It's the whole reason why he came, the whole reason why he's going on the cross. I really encourage you to read this whole prayer. It's in John 17. Um, today I'm just going to go over a few of the verses in it. But when you do have time, um, maybe you've read it before, but for me when I was um, thinking of this message, I only just came across it and it just had such a profound impact on who I am and the worth that I have. So we're going to start off in John 17, 9 to 10. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accept it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me so that they may bring me glory. And just in case you weren't 100% sure who this was written for, he goes on to say, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Just on that one, one bit alone, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Imagine that, experiencing what God, the Trinity, experiences. I think that's just a, a, such an exciting word, an exciting message, something so exciting to look forward to. You belong to Jesus. 
But so much more than that, you were made uniquely with the purpose for unity. You have a reason. You're not just, I don't know, this bottle of water belongs to me. No. It's, you belong to God. It, it's, such, it's so much more than that. Really take that on heart as I go through this message, where you belong. Jesus' prayer, his sacrifice was all for this one purpose of unity. He says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I'm sure this has been drilled into you many times before, but it is a really serious topic to understand and to really take on. God has personally crafted you. He laid out a plan and a purpose for you in his kingdom. You have a role to play. Just like you don't get drafted to a football team to sit in the stands. No, you were drafted there because you have a purpose. You are picked because you have meaning. You are needed, you are required. And that role you fill, those skills that you have, they're not just for yourself. You don't go on the field and you're the star player, the only person with the ball. No, you contribute to the rest of the team. You help build everyone up and together you win. You are to be his hands and his feet, working together with the rest of the body, the church, in unity so that we may glorify God. I love this picture of, of, of this watch. I can imagine back in the day, maybe closer to the 1900s, today everything's made on a, a factory assembly line, but imagine back when something like this was being crafted by hand. Every cog, every wheel, every piece with a defined function, a defined purpose, a place where it had to be, everything just right for it to work. In Psalms 139, 13 to 14, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your worksmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. I love the, the subtle humor in the Bible. You really get to know the authors with little lines like that. A watchmaker carefully crafts each piece of his watch. He knows how each spring, cog, and screw goes together and how it should function. God crafted you, not on an assembly line, but like an artisan. He carefully crafted, designed, and personally created each piece of you. And a very important side note to that, if there's something wrong, if there's something broken, if you're not feeling right, the creator, the person who designed you is the best person to go to to be fixed. Just like you take a watch back to our artisan. You take your problems, your worries, your fears, you take them to God because he knows you. He knows every part of you. He knows how you're supposed to function. He knows your purpose. He knows where you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to feel. When you're lost and confused, take it to God. I love the fact that out of the billions of people in this world, there are no two the same. There are some similar people, especially when you start to change who you are to fill in with other groups. But there are no two people identical. Imagine that, billions, or something like what, six or seven billion people in the world right now, not to mention all the others that have ever been born and died. You are unique. If you ever wanted to feel special, just take hold of that. You, right now, in this time and place, there was never another John Miller. God made you. 
In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you will do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. As one who has um, watched, oh, sorry, when, when a player is picked for a national team, they normally have a specific area where they're best in. Such as soccer, if you're a goalie, you know, you're not playing at the front of the field. You, you've trained, you are specific, your goal, your sort of whole purpose for being in that team is to serve in the goals. And a coach, he doesn't just go out and pick anyone. He doesn't go down to Woolies and say, hey, you, you're playing for Australia right now. No, you're picked because you have gifts in a particular area. You've trained, you've refined, you've, you've, had, you've had natural tendency for it. Uh, maybe it's just a passion you've been born with, but there is something unique about you that puts you in position to be that um, person in the team. God has given you specific gifts and a calling to go with them. If you don't know what they are, then pray. Ask God. I love the movie War Room. How um, the lady, she writes down all of her prayers and she, she puts them on paper and has a little room where she just declares war on anything that's against God and, and just the passion she has. But I love the picture that it paints when you write something down, you get it out of your mind, you put it on paper. You say, God, this is my problem. God, this is my, my desire right now. I, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put it on a physical sheet of paper where I can see it. This, this is where I'm at. And you put it up. The most important thing from that, you start to see God answering your prayers. Maybe, maybe you've forgotten the, you know, the tens, the hundreds of prayers that God has answered before in your life, but when you've got them out physically in front of you like that, you can tick that off and say, God, you've won that. So if you're wondering about anything, if you're lost, and this message is all about purpose and unity, if there's anything like that that you're struggling with, write it down. Declare it, that, you know, give it to God, declare that it's His problem now. You can forget about it after that. You know, God will keep working on it. But come back to that. Come back to a whole book of prayers that you've been writing down and you know God has answered for you. It might not be what you look like. Uh, sorry, it might not be what you think or look like, this, this gift that you've got. There might be something you're doing now that you think, oh, hey, I'm really good at this or this is what I want to do. Uh, but God might be gently pushing you in another direction. So I say with that, Pray, ask God what it is. Don't say, hey, I want to do this, this is, this is what I'm doing. No, ask God. Normally it is what you want to do. God just doesn't put something in your life that you completely hate and say, hey, no, you've got to do this for the rest of your life. But it, yeah, it might not be what you think. And, and just as a goalie is picked for a national team, uh, he's going to give his 100%. You know, if you're playing for Australia, if you've got that position, you've been asked, you've been um, you know, picked out of the whole country, well, at least the country of goalies, to say, hey, you're playing for Australia. You're going to give it 100%, aren't you? You're going to be so excited, so thrilled, so passionate about this position that you've been given. You're going to say, that's 100%. I'm going to give that my all. And just like that, we should do the same to glorify God with the gifts that he's put in our heart. And like anyone who has ever watched sport, we know how competitive it can be. Everyone doing their best uh, to one-up each other, all for that chance to, to win the trophy or to get the glory. 
I encourage you all to be that competitive, but not with each other. Don't look to the person next to you. No, I want you to be competitive with yourself, with the person that you were yesterday and the person that you are today through God's grace. It's not always nice to look back and see what we've done or who, we've, you know, who we were, but it's, it's a good mark to say, hey, that's what I was yesterday, but this is who I am today. Thank you, God. Thank you for this. Especially when you're starting to feel a bit down as to where I am right now. You know, look back, say, yesterday, wow, that, that's what I was doing today. I didn't say that. I didn't go into that situation. I didn't drink that. I didn't watch that. Thank you, God. And the glory that we're chasing, this trophy that we're holding up, the whole reason why we're wanting to be the best, it's not so that we can have glory, but it's for God. And the reward for that, the reward for giving God glory, is so much more than anything we could ever win or have in this world. So I implore you to chase after that. Be competitive, but be competitive with yourself. Be the best you can be, not because you want to beat others, but because you want to do it for God, for God's glory. The next thing is purpose. I love this picture of a kid. I love the, the childlike passion that a kid has. The, when you have something in your mind, you are convinced that your purpose is set. When I was a kid, I was convinced I was going to play for Australia in soccer. I had a picture of Harry, Harry Kuehl up on my wall. I played everywhere. I, I don't think I was really that good. But, you know, it doesn't matter. My mind, I was set. My purpose was laid out. I was going to play for Australia. The next day, I think I wanted to be a pilot, but... But that's not the point. The point is that my purpose was clear. And this is what God wants for you. I can say with 100% certainty that you have a purpose. But do you know it? Do you have a passion to live it out? In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. The purpose God has planned out for you may not be clear right now, but have faith that it is there. It's no accident that you are here in this town right now it's no accident that you're in this building, in this church. Just like David, it was no accident that he lived so close to the battlefield when, when Jerusalem was fighting off Goliath. You know, he lived within walking distance of that battlefield. It's no accident that, that he had to fight off bears and wolves for his sheep at a young age. I know that if, if that was me, that, you know, I was forced out instead of being in school, but I had to look after my sheep and I was fighting off bears... I wouldn't be very thankful at the time to God. I'd be like, oh, gee, thanks, God, another bear. Oh, look, a wolf as well. <laughs> thanks, God. No, at the time, I, I wouldn't even see my purpose. Why am I fighting bears to protect sheep? Like, how has that got anything to do with God's plan for my life? But there was no accident he was doing that. That was preparing him. He placed... David in the right place at the right time and prepared him with the right skills. But the most important part in the whole story there of David fighting Goliath is not that he, he was prepared, not that just he had the right skills, 
But when the time came, he stepped forward in faith. That's like us right now. We could have amazing gifts, amazing talents. But when God calls you to something that seems impossible, like fighting a giant, will you take that step and say, God, it looks impossible, but I know you've been preparing me and I know you are with me. I'm going to do this in faith, Lord. And we can see the result of that. David, a little kid, took out a giant that stroked fear in an entire army. Your current situation might not make much, make much sense right now. You may have bears coming at you every day. But if you are listening to God and you are living in his word, have faith, take it to heart that he has plans for you. Plans for a future and for a hope. And the last one is, I think I've lost one of my sheets. So the last one is unity. Yep, I've lost a whole sheet of my notes somewhere along the line. But this is the most important thing. I've, I've rehearsed it that many times, I'm sure I'll get most of it. <laughs> but this is the most important, this is what it all leads to, this whole, whole idea of unity. And going towards the end of Jesus' prayer, Back in John 17, he goes, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be as one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. I think this is such a beautiful picture, such an amazing thing to, to see and to, and to hold, is this unity. But what does it look like? Uh, it says a few times in the Bible about, you know, living as God, but um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I would love some scripture, but to actually know what it feels like to be the Holy Trinity, to, to know what that unity is. Um, I will need that slide because it's got the whole Bible verse that I need. I think that's in Pastor Rob's office. If you can grab that for me, Kylie. But I want to read out Romans 12, 4 to 21 in a moment. And this, this paints a perfect picture of, of what it looks like to live in unity, to see what God really um, you know, designed us for. I think the, the long answer to the question of what does unity look like what does it look like to live in the body of Christ is to read your whole Bible. You know, just like Josh preached not too long ago, don't just know the Bible, but know the Bible. Don't just know Jesus, know Jesus. And when you, you get that in your heart, when you know who God is, when you know what his call and purpose is for your... Oh, there's two pages of notes. <laughs> then you will see... It'll just be the way that you think in how you live. But thankfully, there's a, there's a, much, there's a much shorter answer to this. Um, and Paul paints this picture perfectly, as I said, in Romans 12. He goes, In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as part of his body. 
but as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So we find ourselves fashioned into these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body. So let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. And if you, if you give encouraging guidance, be careful you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply and practice playing second fiddle. I had to Google that because it made no sense to me, but it, <laughs> but it means to have a subordinate, lesser, or smaller role or position or part in something. So don't be the center of your friendship group. Take a step back. And most importantly, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and flamed. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. And this is the hard one. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with, with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. And don't, don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. And if you've got it in you, get along with everybody. That, that one's hard. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Just about everything in that is a complete 180 of what the world tells us or what the world does to us. I, yeah, I, I just think that's so amazing. Like, to, to have this laid out in front of us would be almost impossible to do on our own. Maybe we could keep it up for a week or two, but I know I, I couldn't do that for very long without God's strength. I've been learning to, um, to play guitar over the last few days. And it's a particular song that I've started with because for as long as I can, I've always wanted to play the, the, the introductory riff to the song, and it's Stairway to Heaven. Now, I've been reading the tabs, and I've watched people play it on YouTube, and I know where my fingers are supposed to go. I know what I'm supposed to strum, when to strum it, what time, all that stuff. I, I've got it in my mind. I can see it there. But that doesn't help me when I go to do it. You know, I've got my fingers doing this. I'm putting this over that. When I go to strum, it's just this tong sound. And... <laughs> but I persist. I continue to make mistakes. I continue to learn. All because I have a purpose, a reason why I'm doing it. I can see the end goal. And just like with this, with this picture Paul has painted for us, we can see what the end game is. We can see what, what we're supposed to look like as God's body. We can see what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act but we do make mistakes, but we have a reason for doing this. And that reason is who we belong to. I want you all to say this with me right now. I belong to Jesus. When you say those four words, 
truly reflect on the significance of them. In John 3, 16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Ephesians 2.13, But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. So I think Josie's message was so beautiful. It paints a picture of, the, of, of exactly what Jesus went through to purchase us so that we can say those words. In Hebrews 8.12, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. This is no light matter for God. As I said before, this is not like me just saying, that bottle belongs to me. No, God gave His one and only Son, so you can say those four words. Feel the joy, the love, the excitement, the passion, the hope that comes with that. I want you all to say it again now. I belong to Jesus. Really feel it. I belong to Jesus. We are saved by the grace and love of God. Nothing can change that. In Romans 8, 38, 39, and I'm convinced that no, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Won't you stand with me now, church? Knowing that we are saved, knowing that we are called by God, the creator of the universe, the author of eternity, we should have a fire in our hearts to serve, to be His hands, to be His feet. I know that when my time is up, when I get to heaven, I want to be able to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. God has laid out a path before you. life choices you will ever make and if you're not sure what it looks like to give your life to Jesus who Jesus is then feel free to speak to feel free to speak to any one of us myself anyone on the stage or any of our amazing pastors to have that in your heart I belong to Jesus you have a purpose in his church as a whole across the world and the fact that you're in this building right now means you are called here for a reason you are called here for a purpose a purpose to serve God has has placed you in a time where you may be struggling you may have bears you may have fears in your life but you are being prepared as you follow God's word as you live in the calling that he has for you 
I implore you, just like David, when, when faced with a giant that feared nations, he stepped forward. He was confused why the whole Israelite army was saying no to God. He was like, this, who is this person who's standing against God? No, he stepped forward in his faith. He knew who he was. He knew what God told he was. He had a purpose and he slayed giants. Church, I encourage you to slay your giants. Find your purpose in God's house. If it means serving here, then look for that. Pray to God. What, what does it look like for me? Bible college was a massive step for me. It got me into a position where I could, I could know, I could see God's desire for me, for my heart. And I thank Him for that challenge. If you're wondering about Bible college or anything like that, just do it. Step forward in faith and say, God, if you're calling me to this, I'm going to do it. If it's serving in a ministry at church, step forward in faith and just do it. God is behind you. God will direct those rocks that you fling. I thank you for that church and I encourage you to to hold that, walk in that faith. Be a David and slay your Goliaths. I'm just going to hand you back to Beth and the team now. We're going back into uh, a praise song. I want you to hold that in your heart as you sing this. I belong to Jesus. Jesus.